0: Chapter Seventeen of From Alien to Citizen: The Story of My Life in America by Edward Steiner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter Seventeen: Among the Bohemians after a fruitless search for work which would give me a chance to rehabilitate myself i returned to the west side but fortunately wandered beyond the limits of that awful portal and found myself to my great delight in chicago's bohemia i shall never forget the joy i felt in reading czechish names and signs and hearing again the language which was as familiar to me as my mother tongue i always felt a close kinship with the bohemian people whose unhappy history i knew and whose genius i understood and valued i suppose while blood is thicker than water language is thicker than blood and the larger relationship rests more upon the ability to understand another people's ideals and share them than upon general hereditary factors perhaps more than any other people the bohemians have been able to transplant their national ideals and characteristics to a new soil developing them to a marked degree this may be due to the great difficulties under which they have lived in the old world so that when in this country they can speak and print their beloved language they do it with a fierce passion as if to make up for lost time the contradictory characteristics of these the most talented of the slavic peoples give them uncommon interest their light-heartedness and sadness hospitality and hostility industry and idleness their passionate loves and hates their devotion to art their piety infidelity and materialism all seemed to be running at full tide when i happened upon bohemia in chicago in my quest for work had there been the least opposition to their expression these people might have built a medieval castle wall around themselves and annexed their territory to the kingdom of bohemia i was walking through one of those west side streets which differ from others in nothing but the name when i saw men digging for the foundation of a house upon asking in bohemian for a job i got my opportunity not only to work but also to enter into the life of the most radical section of the bohemian community the man who employed me was a tailor, who, with the thrift of his race, had saved enough money to build a house. It was most fortunate for me that when the evening of the first day's labour came, he had discovered that I was homeless and offered me lodging under his roof, which, of course, I most gratefully accepted. Not only was the place scrupulously clean, but there were music and good literature. The latter was decidedly radical, ranging from Spencer to Ingersoll the home also brought me in contact with people of some education at that time the social life of the men still centred almost entirely around the saloon an institution which unfortunately and invariably takes on anglo-saxon qualities no matter with what national elements it is started or by what name it is called it might be a matter of some interest to discover why this is so but whatever the reason it is certain that the saloon plays an important part in the americanization of the immigrant it frequently aims to preserve his social tendencies and usually harbors the national societies which spring up in every immigrant group the saloon patronized by my host and employer was located on halstead street and bore all the outer markings of its american prototype although within were the bohemian elements which gave it something of a home or club atmosphere what attracted me was the newspapers which were kept on file and the meetings of the freethinkers club which had its headquarters there i was in the mood to yield myself completely to its influence and rejoiced in its intellectual atmosphere which meant more to me than bread and meat after my recent stultifying experiences this radical movement which seemed so natural to the bohemian communities at that time was the inevitable reaction from their intolerant past in which church and state bishop and king had each been bad and together did their worst out of an environment of superstition and oppression these people had come into the buoyant atmosphere of religious freedom and they were breathing like men escaped from a tomb much of their speech was like the raving of madmen but after all it was a fine idealism to which they tried to give expression and this movement harmful as it must have been in some directions saved them from a gross materialism to which they were naturally inclined this group which i joined was then reading the essays of thomas paine and no matter what one may think of his philosophy or his attitude toward traditional religion it seemed to me wonderful to see ditch-diggers tailors and cobblers at the end of the day's work discussing such serious literature so earnestly this movement among the bohemians had been severely attacked as atheistic it never deserved that opprobrium for at its heart it was religious only it was seeking a high free level it never was dangerous because in spite of the attempt to inoculate the younger generation the virus never took for some reason anti-religious movements cannot be propagated in this country no matter how viral the movement in its beginning it dwindles and dies and the second generation of even the most radical propagandists becomes either respectably religious or blends with that great mass of people who are neither hot nor cold in their attitude toward the things of the spirit during this period i came in touch with a number of anarchists and heard their vehement onslaught against organized government while i never was carried away by their extreme individualism and never was in danger of becoming an assassin i felt keenly the injustice they deplored and sympathized deeply with them in their protest against the brutal hanging of some of their number which not long before had startled the united states in the exercise of justice, governments are apt to be both cruel and unjust, and I am not sure but that the verdict against the Chicago anarchists will one day be revised by a generation of men far enough removed from the hate and prejudice gendered at that time to judge the matter impartially. I heard Mrs. Parsons, the wife of one of the condemned anarchists, and suffered greatly as I listened to her while i never plotted violent deeds i appreciated her desire to avenge what she called judicial murder after all it is easy for us who are safely removed from the suffering and need of the toilers to condemn the radicals or label men and movements with a name which smacks of the plague or the pestilence it was a crowd like that which said of jesus he hath a devil and joined in the ready cry crucify him the one thing we are all apt to forget is that anarchy and kindred movements grow out of a soil made stony and hard by injustice they are symptoms of a disease in the body social and the ill cannot be cured by jailing or hanging or crucifying the men who feel the hurt most and cry out in their agony it was in this chicago bohemian saloon that i began to speak in public and i delivered a series of talks on bakunin and tolstoy the latter's religious idealism gave no little offence to my auditors but to me it was the saving element in the situation and kept my soul alive during that most critical period these talks were exceedingly informal broken into by questions jests and ridicule although i always began with a definite theme all the affairs of the universe which needed writing were usually touched upon before i finished the startling thing to me was then and now is the latent idealism in these immigrant groups which can make of even a saloon something resembling a people's university unfortunately this idealism does not survive long for in that very saloon where at that time men sat and leisurely drank their beer while they discussed the philosophy of bakunin and tolstoy they now stand before the bar and make a business of drinking they may discuss a prize fight or the latest news from the baseball field but nothing more elevating the social settlement which might have given me a grappling place for the higher things if it existed at all was in its swaddling clothes and the so-called respectable people never wandered into my social sphere when the house of my bohemian host was finished i found a job in a machine shop and gradually lifted myself to a position of leadership among my shopmates during the noon hour they would ask me questions, and once I attempted to deliver an address, but the foreman interfered, a quarrel ensued, and I was summarily discharged. I had little money saved, but I had some good clothing and an accumulation of paper bound books. Then began a weary journey from shop to mill in a vain search for work, until my last penny was eaten up, all my surplus clothing had become security for my lodging, and the books were sold for a pittance. It was a year of great industrial depression, on one side over production and on the other under consumption. Strikes and riots combined to make the situation abnormal, and after even the casual jobs failed, I again turned westward, this time to the great harvest-fields of Minnesota. End of chapter 17